Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Jay here, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out our first discussion episode. And just wanted to let you know that you might want to wear headphones on this one. The way that I set up my audio when we recorded this week wasn't perfect, and Francis's audio wasn't coming through quite as clearly, and I didn't think it would be that big of a deal, but it turns out it was really hard to fix. So I did my best with it, but I'm still new. If anyone has any suggestions on how to remote record better, please let me know. Message me on one of my social media platforms or one of the podcasts social media platforms, just slide them a DM, send me an email, something like that. I will take all the help I can get in that respect. It was just so good to have Francis on and I really wish that her audio had been better, but it just, it wasn't there this week. The whole episode as a whole isn't as good of an audio quality as it typically is. Just, yeah, settings weren't proper this week and that happened. But it's still a really good episode, so I did still want to put it out and I just did my best with it. And thank you so much for sticking in. Again, you just might want to wear headphones for this one. And Sam and Dean are super surprised in episode 20, Dead Man's Blood, when John shows up. He's not there to see them or even really pay respects to their the old hunting friend, Daniel Elkins, that they showed up to too. But he's there to get the magical kill any monster for good gun, the cold. <laughs> You're listening to the Supernatural Opinions Podcast. Hi, I'm KJ. My pronouns are she, her, and this is the podcast where I recap the show Supernatural with my fellow fans and we discuss our supernatural opinions. I'm Meredith. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm excited to have a discussion. That's great. Frances, how about you introduce yourself as well? Hey, I'm Frances. My pronouns are she and her, and this is my first podcast, so I'm super excited to get started. We're so excited to have you. You're the first guest we've had on that I don't personally know in real life, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, yay for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm meeting so many great new people on TikTok, and you're one of them, so that's so exciting. By extension, I'm meeting people. <laughs> yeah. And this week we are going to be talking about John Winchester's whereabouts in season one. Reminder that the discussion episodes are open to all seasons and episodes, and this may contain spoilers from episodes including and beyond last week's recap of season one, episode four. I think for most of the spoilers for this week are going to be in season one and maybe a bit of season two, but any season is up for grabs if we feel that it needs to be talked about. For me, the very first thing that happened when I went to write my notes was that I realized the pilot incorrectly placed Halloween on like a Friday or Saturday when in 2005 Halloween actually happened on a Monday which means there was not a weekend to happen but that's okay like most things in season one and especially in the first two or three you just gotta go with the flow yeah and just accept that this is an alternate universe where some tiny little things are different (laughs) where Halloween in 2005 was on either a Friday or a Saturday feel free to jump in by the way and and tell me things or add things or make snide comments about anything I said. (laughs) I'm good at the snide comments thing. That's why we love you. (laughs) 
So John left wherever he was before he was in Jericho, California, around the end of the first or beginning of the second week of October to check out a series of disappearances that were happening in Jericho, California. And he was on his own as Dean was on a different case in New Orleans. So he called Dean around October 29th or 30th and left him a voicemail. The voicemail was, Dean, something is starting to happen. I think it's serious. I need to try to figure out what's going on. Something inaudible. Be very careful, Dean. We're all in danger. And then he just hung up and refused to speak to his children for like a year. (laughs) Father of the year. What happened between John left wherever he was and got to Jericho and this voicemail and what happens after is for us to figure out in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have some clues throughout the season, but uh, a lot of it's left up to the... Yeah, a lot of it is just going to (laughs) be... So Sam confirms that John spoke to Joseph Welch, who's the husband of the late Constance Welch, suspected women in white, a few days before Sam got there. So probably also around October 28th to 30th, probably around the same time that the voicemail was left, which makes sense. So we know from that and from his his motel room, he actually was investigating this case. And he yeah, he started. <laughs> he did start doing something. As we discussed on our first episode of the podcast, it's probably better that John left town, because not sure he would have survived an encounter with said woman in white. Not exactly the most faithful man on the planet. Oh dear. Anyway, while they're in Jericho, Dean comes into possession of John's journal, which contains coordinates which are apparently in Blackwater Ridge, Colorado. Which, again, they aren't, but whatever. (laughs) I have to stop being mad about it eventually. (laughs) It's just not that hard to pick up a map. Even in 2005, maps existed. (laughs) Yeah, but I I just feel like most of us aren't really looking up the coordinates unless we're doing podcasts. Well, that was before the show lasted for 15 years and became a cultural phenomenon. It's true. It also shows that make up locations, but, you know, for something like this where people, like, legitimately want to take road trips, they might want to have real places. Even if you're just gonna, like, if you're gonna write coordinates, at least have the coordinates be in the correct state. I'm pretty sure the coordinates are in Arizona. We could go to Arizona. (laughs) Not right now, it's too hot. It's very hot everywhere. <laughs> All right. The joys of July. <laughs> and global warming. And then apparently ever since the voicemail that John left for Dean, his phone was deactivated temporarily. He left a voicemail in this one. I'm going I'm to turn this completely off. <laughs> but it was reactivated around at least a couple weeks later when Jerry Panowski called only to get John's voicemail. But the voicemail had been updated to redirect anyone calling for help to his son Dean. So he was presumably still alive to set up that voicemail message. In episode 9, Home, it was confirmed that John was alive and just choosing not to contact his sons. Jean called John very upset and left a voicemail asking for his father to at least reach out and pick up the phone and received no response. It's revealed to the audience at the end of the episode that he did go to Lawrence to meet them, but just avoided contact with either of them. He went there to make sure that they were fine. (laughs) Missouri wasn't very happy with him. Oh, no, Missouri was not happy um, because... Like the rest of us, she's wondering why he can't just talk to his damn children. It's like, no, I must stoically do my quest. And then in episode 10, Asylum, John texts Dean and sends the boys on another case. Later, when they're sleeping, Sam answered Dean's phone and finds that John's calling. And that call continues in episode 11, Scarecrow, where John tells Sam that the same demon killed Sam's girlfriend, Jessica, and Sam and Dean's mom, Mary, which the boys had pretty much worked out for themselves about when Jessica was killed like 10 episodes previous but thanks for the confirmation dad. Nice to know it's not multiple demons running around with the same MO. Yeah I guess that's fair. Yeah connection with that between Missouri's visit with John and then uh 
him confirming that Jace was killed by the same demon. Interesting. In Missouri, and he's saying that he's not going to contact the boys until he figures out the truth. I wonder if maybe the truth he's looking for is if there's a connection between Mary's death and Jessica's death. That's interesting, and that would make sense, because then, like, an episode later, basically, he gets in contact with them. Yeah, like, that would make more sense if he didn't want to talk to them until he had, like, more things to talk to them about. And that's inter- an interesting phrasing, too, because in his journal, I think he, when he was writing about visiting Missouri the first time, he said, I went to Missouri, she told me the truth, or something like that. Interesting, I hadn't really thought about that, but that, that's probably exactly it. <laughs> Missouri yeah, probably laid some shit out for him. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I love Missouri so much. Partially because I'm a Crazy Anatomy fan, but <laughs> also just her character is a delight. <laughs> anyway, John tells the boys to stop looking for him. He'd rather they take on other hunts and help other people while he goes after the demon by himself. He's presumably calling from somewhere in California at the time. Um, at least that's where the phone number says he is. It's unclear if John had even left California aside from his trip to Lawrence, Kansas, because he was in California originally in when he went missing. So maybe he's just been hanging out in different parts of California this whole time. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> maybe demons just like California. Maybe. Either way, Sam plans to go there and find him, but ultimately decides to stay with Dean after Dean almost dies. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Which episode was that? That was the Faith Healer episode? Mm, that, we're going to talk about that next. This was just in Scarecrow when the they split up for a little bit because Sam was like, I'm going to find Dad. And Dean's like, right. Dad told us and to then, go do something else. <laughs> and then we met Meg. Yes. The joys of Meg. <laughs> She's a delight, isn't she? I mean, yeah, she kind of is. <laughs> Demonic, but still a joy. And still then we do get to episode 12, Faith, where John does something even worse than driving to Lawrence without talking to his children, and that's just going back to ignoring them again, even when Sam calls to inform John that Jean is literally dying. Yeah, we get to see more of those wonderful parents <laughs> that John so clearly possesses. <laughs> Sam, I mean, Sam is pretty determined to find something to kill Dean, even on the voicemail, but there's no real indication that Sam is going to find anything to save Dean's life, and John doesn't seem to so much as call back, let alone show up. Yeah, like, he's got this this weird combination of, like, neglecting his kids, but, like, seeming to trust them with their own lives, but, like, not trusting them with anything else. Yeah, like, you can go hunt monsters, but you can't help me with the demon, and... That's for big boys. If you're dying, I don't really care, but also if you let anything happen to your brother, then I'm going to be super pissed at you. You got this, sport. Yeah. (laughs) What John will, in fact, show up for is a call that the demon Meg is linked to the demon that killed Mary and Jessica. That call gets him rolling right into town to see his son. Thanks, John. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't show up when Dean's dying, but Sam calls and says these two demons are connected. Like, he's there. In Sam's case, it's the first time he's seen his son in years. Based for this. Hasn't bothered to visit his son, like, any other time. Although, apparently, he has been, like, doing drive by he just hasn't actually like seen his child and talked to his child yeah just drove by to make sure he was alive (laughs) didn't bother to like knock on the door (laughs) emotional constipation runs in the family the emotional constipation stems from john i mean maybe it stems from john's father to be fair but more from john because john (laughs) could have been a better dad that's that's one way of putting it yeah (laughs) So 
yeah, John arrives in town, and he says that he's planning to completely kill the demon, not just exercise it back to hell, he's, like, gonna kill it dead. But that he wants, him. yeah, he wants the boys to stay out of it, so they can't be used for leverage against him, and I forget what exactly happened in that episode, but I believe that that was exactly what happened, so they agree to go their separate ways. John then sends Dean to Fitchburg, Wisconsin, to hunt a Striga, which John missed in about 1987-89, that John knows will be seen by Dean as unfinished business, even though it wasn't Dean's unfinished business, it was John's. It's great, we're gonna blame you for this. <laughs> we're gonna blame a child for being left alone with another child in a town with a monster in it, and Sam and Dean are super surprised in episode 20, Dead Man's Blood, when John shows up, he's not there to see them, or even really pay respects to their <laughs> the old hunting friend, Daniel Elkins, that they showed up to do, but he's there to get the magical kill any monster for good gun, the cult. <laughs> and that's an interesting episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your dad. Condolences. <laughs> and that's an interesting episode to watch because it's where we like really see them butt heads for the first time. Oh, for sure. And that's when uh, they're not. That's like the first time they're they're just like not happy to see their dad. They're like mad about him. Yeah, they kind of worship him in some ways, but also like on what level they they really know that their dad is abusive and just a very very unhealthy relationship. <laughs> My notes literally say Sam and. John have suddenly remembered the years of resentment between them and are not having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And Dean is struggling to keep the peace when it's clear that their dad is about to abandon them again. He was he was gonna try and get them to get along, but then he realizes that John is about to ditch them again, and then he's pissed. <laughs> and I, I like seeing that because like we get the sense that this this is how it goes. Like Sam and John are butting heads. Dean's trying to keep the peace, and then John does something that Dean's mad about, and Dean's like, eh, maybe not. Yeah, and like Dean was the oldest, like the good son. You, you feel like he doesn't really rebel often. No. I'm getting that for like the whole season. <laughs> the thing that John is mad at them about is the fact that they saved him from being eaten by vampires when that wasn't the plan. The plan was to be far, far away. Like, you can be a little grateful <laughs> that you're not eaten, but <laughs> if you want to be mad, then okay. <laughs> acknowledge that, that we did a really, you trained us to do this, we did it well, please just acknowledge that. Yeah. John and Sam do have a bit of a heart to heart in this episode when they realize that they're alike in a lot of ways, or at least that in the wake of Jess's death, Sam is heading down the same path of revenge and darkness that John went down when Mary died. John freely admits that somewhere along the way he stopped being a father and became a drill sergeant, not just unwilling, but literally incapable of acknowledging the idea that Sam might want something other than being a hunter. So that was good to see, but John was just like, mm, yeah, maybe I did drop the ball on being a father. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just to hear the words even come out of his mouth is therapeutic for me. <laughs> it's a bit more of a, kind of a, a realistic portrayal of, of an abusive relationship where you haven't really fully realized how abusive it is. Honestly, yes. And I wish the show would make up its mind about whether, <laughs> how they felt about John, because they haven't. But that's okay. It's okay. It's not really, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it, so we just gotta gotta keep going. Yeah. The family is split up again in episode 21, because this family can't stay together for more than two seconds. <laughs> episode 21, Salvation. John has apparently gotten better at tracking the demon since Jessica's death in episode one. I guess that gave John a second, like, data point to work from in establishing a pattern. And he passes that knowledge on, but then has to leave to go negotiate with Meg the demon and gets taken hostage. In this episode also, um, is when John finds out that Sam's been having psychic vision 
decisions and is pissed not to have been informed immediately. And like, how are they supposed to do that exactly, sir? You've been ignoring their calls. You don't come when they're literally dying. Voicemails have a time limit. You can only talk so much. <laughs> when were we supposed to fit in this? Sam's been having weird dreams and they keep coming true and they're about people dying. <laughs> there was not yeah, time in there. <laughs> he's, he's given them the message all through the season that he does not wish to be bothered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go work over there. I'll call for you if and when I need you. <laughs> Ed and KJ here, and we have since recorded the episode for home, so I had rewatched it a little bit more recently. And Missouri mostly says something about Sam's abilities and his powers to John. So not only is he yelling at Dean for something that Dean was not in control of, but also he's yelling at them for no reason because he already knew about this. This was not new information to him. But the boys rescue John, only to realize that he's been possessed by the demon, but it gets away because Sam's unwilling to kill his own father. I guess. Good for Sam. Truly depressing realization that Dean knew that his dad was possessed when he was actually acting like a good father. Yeah, I mean, that's a recurring thing that happens to uh, to Kevin in season eight, I believe, where some demons are pretending to be Sam and Dean, and he's like, yeah, those guys would never have gone to go pick me up food when we had food here. The demons just constantly underestimate how awful the Winchesters are to people that they like. Oh, boy. It's just so funny that demons were nicer than the real Sam. Yes, and, and nicer than the real John. Everybody's awful to everybody. <laughs> I know. Sam and Dean aren't even as bad as John. Oh, definitely not. They are they are great compared to John. <laughs> They're just not great to anyone that they care about, like, deeply. They don't have the emotional capacity to be. <laughs> yeah. Not quite, like, not quite abusive, but not really nice either. Yeah, like, John's clearly an abusive father, and I don't think that Sam or Dean would be that far as to be abusive, but, like... Lovable jerks. Yeah, and they definitely, like, they could talk to one another more about things. <laughs> it would it would help a lot. <laughs> a lot of their problems could be solved if they would just talk to one another instead of being mad at each other all the time. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Look at their role model. Manly confidence. <laughs> <laughs> the scene gives me Grey's Anatomy vibes when, when John is mad that Sam's unwilling to kill his dad. Or maybe the Grey's Anatomy scene where Mara tells Ellis that Ellis is the thing that happened to her, but killing her own mother won't be another thing that Meredith lets happen to her. It has supernatural vibes, maybe. Either way, Sam is not willing to shoot their dad. Especially because Gina is staring at him with the devastation eyes of if you pull that trigger, I'm going to be broken forever. Again, he's putting his revenge above his own sons. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's a horrible thing to ask of your child. Even even if it is really the demon just messing with Sam. Yeah, like, like this demon is harming people and it is important to get it out of the way. But like, John... It's the only probably, family they have. It's yeah, not a good family, but his attempt to understand that maybe there are some sacrifices that Sam just isn't willing to make. Sam already lost his girlfriend this year, and John and Gina are the only other people he has in the whole world. Like maybe he's not willing to kill one of those people. I do wonder, maybe. Um, I mean, because Azazel's pretty like intent on getting getting Sam to shoot him and Mike Sense and John. I wonder if he was just like, if Sam pulls the trigger, then like he's the one. Because the whole thing is that Azazel's, like, weeding down the special children at this point. Yeah. You know, he's testing the special children, you know, trying to see which ones are going to be good. I wonder if that was part of the reason why he was, I mean, also he just wanted to mess with Sam, I'm sure. (laughs) Then they're in a horrific car accident. Accident might be the wrong word here, given that demons intentionally T-bone the Impala with a (laughs) semi. 
but I guess Crash might be better. Anyway, it's horrific that everybody is in bad shape. I'm not really sure how Dean ends up in the worst shape of the three of them, given that Dean is the farthest away from the the Crash. He is. Uh, I mean, he was already in bad shape before, I guess. He, he had already been to, they were on their way to the hospital because he was already hurt before, so I guess that could be it. You know, in addition to a semi, the demon behind the wheel is using telekinesis. I do, I, I just have a thought. I don't know, I might have to cut this from this episode if we get too into it, but the cold, it, like, basically doesn't matter where you shoot any monster with it, it, like, kills them. Like, it doesn't seem to, like, matter if it's, like, a deathly wound or not, as far as I can recall. Can you shoot someone in the leg with it? That I was just thinking. I'm pretty sure Sam might have shot John in the leg in that scene. And I was just thinking, if there was not a demon in John, shouldn't John have then died? Or does this kill any monster gun only kill monsters? <laughs> Unless the bullet hit something vital. I mean, you shot him in the leg. Yeah. Other, like, mystical, um, like, weapons that can't kill, like, archangels have to be killed by the archangel blade when other archangels are holding it kind of thing, so maybe, like, only something specific can kill a prince of hell. Maybe. Because, I mean, I mean, this does work on Azazel later. <laughs> but I was just, like, curious as to, like, if John gets shot in the leg, shouldn't he then be dead? Unless this monster killing gun only kills monsters. It doesn't kill people unless the bullet hits something that people need to survive. I, I think because he was just shot in the leg, then he was probably fine. Well, shot in the leg. I mean, but... shot in the leg. But fine. <laughs> Do you think the hospital would ask more questions about that when they show up from a car accident and John has a bullet wound in his leg? But <laughs> The semi-shotguns. Maybe they were just so injured at that point that they're like uh, this wound could be from anything. I guess if the bullet's not in there anymore. It could it could really be a wound from anything in that car. <laughs> the fact that no one popped open the trunk when they were hauling the car away either is like a miracle. Because <laughs> oh goodness, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> How quickly would the show be over if someone just looked in their trunk? I guess we're into season two now a little bit. I actually had a thought about season one. Okay, yeah. John is a very interesting character, especially in season one. Like, we see him very briefly at the beginning and we he's just established as their dad yeah but like we spend most of the season having this huge build-up it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Meeting him, and then we do so like a few times, but like, he's just kind of a guy. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, before we actually meet him, we are only getting to know him and the kind of person he is and his parenting style through Sam and Dean. And I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's I practically see... mythical before then. Yeah, and I mean, other hunters, like, every other hunter that they meet knows John. Not all of them like John, but they all know John. But, you know, it takes John, like, 20-some years to hunt down this demon. Yeah, I think it's cool that, like, with a show that's focused on Sam and Dean, we have to like trust 
them and see John through their eyes before we get the chance to form our own opinions about him. Which are not the opinions that the boys hold about John. No, no. But yeah, it's interesting because John is kind of seen like by everybody as this prolific hunter. You know, he came out of nowhere, his wife got killed, and he just arrived on the hunting scene and like made a name for himself. Other people in the community are just like, yeah, John, like we, no one likes him, but he's good at what he does, but he doesn't really seem to us to be that good at what he does. <laughs> we don't ever see a lot of evidence that John is particularly great at what he does <laughs> compared to like Rufus or Bobby or... <laughs> Yeah, like that writing tip that's always show, not tell. We have to, it, it's everyone telling us that he's good at what he does, but since he's never around, we never really see that. I just I think it's interesting. We have to trust the characters and rely on their testimony. Because, yeah, in season one, the few, like, when we don't see John, but we hear about cases he's been on, you know, obviously he's been looking for the thing he'll marry for the last 20 years. And then in season one, the other big case we hear about him having in the past is one where the thing got away. And then he needs to be rescued for the vampires and from Meg. <laughs> John needs rescuing a lot. I don't know. I'm not sure that John lives up to his reputation in any sense <laughs> as a dad or as a hunter. I thought the trick with the holy water with Meg was pretty clever. Yes. That was pretty good, actually. Just like holy watering a whole, a whole I don't know what you call that, water tank <laughs> so that all no. of the water is, but yeah, that was pretty good, actually. I'll give, I will give John that. <laughs> yeah. That was some out-of-the-box thinking. I think they were trying to say that, like, that with the Striga and with Meg, like, these were exceptional circumstances. Yeah, fair enough. I can see why. There's a lot of, like, beginners luck on certain things, and, like, when he's with other hunters, it's the hunters who are doing most of the work, and John just happens to be there to get the rest. That's also valid. <laughs> That's a good thought. I don't know how much we need to talk about John's death, but John takes the coal. He gives the coal and himself to the yellow-eyed demon. He buys himself, like, a day so he can put his affairs in order and then dies of, I assume, a heart attack of some kind. I don't know, whatever whatever it is that de- <laughs> demons choose to kill you with that isn't hellhounds. <laughs> well, heart attack was how they did it in Death Note, so I'm gonna go with that. It seems to be a heart attack, it, just in terms of what we see. It makes Dean dying from Hellhounds when his deal is up in season three pretty pretty brutal compared to this. I guess they wanted John in like I imagine the demons wanted John's body fully intact just to like say like look at this we got John Winchester because it seems to be like that's the kind of jo- guy that John's reputation <laughs> uh, seems you know that hell seems to value John Winchester's soul higher than the average person. <laughs> the funnier explanation is Azazel was hiding in a janitor and didn't want to clean it up. I love that even more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't particularly care about John's death and the specifics of it, really. Um, what I care more about is that John dies and Sam cracks John's voicemail, where he finds a message from Ellen, where Ellen is offering help, and it's about four months old. So, at some point before all the Winchesters were united, she... She says that she knew John had some leads on the demon that killed Mary and had been trying to offer help, but he just hadn't gotten back in contact with him. So that means John was doing something and other people knew about it. <laughs> Enough that Ellen heard about it. I mean, it, it takes like one other hunter to know anything and then Ellen's going to hear about it, but... Yeah, John is, he's more of a plot device than a person. But at least we know that John was onto something. Whatever happened to John in California like, that made he... him leave town without solving his case or contacting his son. <laughs> he's not a great person. He's a valuable character because of how he affects Sam and Dean. But that like, means he was doing person... something. Like, he hasn't just been, like, yeah. running around wherever, 
like with nothing to do. He's been clearly doing something. We just don't ever know what that something was. Laying the groundwork. (laughs) (laughs) I guess trying to figure out if there were other kids, which he did. I guess he did know that there was other kids that were probably, you know, where the moms were killed by Azazel. I guess we just never know how much he knew. We just don't. We just don't know. They don't tell us. He knew enough to assume that Sam might eventually go dark side, as they like to put it, and tell Dean that if that happens, then he'd have to kill him. Which is a horrible thing to put on your children. Someone's dying to save them (laughs) as well. Like, you die to save Dean, that like that gives him, Dean survivor's guilt. And then you also tell Dean he might have to kill the only other person that Dean cares about at all. It's like doing things that makes it seem like he cares about his kids when really I think he's thinking more about himself. He's thinking more about killing the thing that killed Mary. Yeah. Way at the end of season two, I guess. We're, we have some extra time, so we're going to talk about some extra John-related stuff. I just decided that. <laughs> Let's dump on John. At the end of season two, uh, John's soul uh, crawls his way out of hell when the gate opens. We're not sure how difficult that was. We know it was was a first-come, first-served basis on the getting out of hell, but I imagine that John had an okay time in hell, to be honest. I want to say that he did say that, like, he took John off wherever he was and, like, had him torture souls with him, so I think John was in heaven pretty much down there. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, because Alistair definitely, like, Alistair definitely says that, like, John Winchester didn't break, he wouldn't torture anyway. No, John was definitely down there torturing people. <laughs> 100%. Demon's lie. John is so self-serving, there's no way he wasn't down there torturing people. Because, I mean, in John's eyes, most people aren't going to sell their soul for anything of value or anything really worthwhile. Like, he, I imagine he would see himself as an exception. <laughs> and, and I think in his mind, he'd be like, these are all bad people. Yeah, he doesn't really see the gray areas. Yeah. Sam and Dean do. So I think that, yeah, I agree. I think that John's just down there torturing people and then, like, you know, a gate opened and he was like, huh, I'm gonna get out of here, I guess. I'm gonna trip a whole bunch of people uh, over the door. (laughs) I mean, he did, uh, he did do that, um, and get there just in time to save his son and provide a good distraction, I guess, so that Dean could kill his Azel. But then, yeah, yeah, then he's just like, yeah, I guess I'm, uh, I'm gonna go. (laughs) I think he's a character that the writers wanted us to like and have complicated thoughts about but still like they fail but like yeah i don't i don't trust people who like john winchester (laughs) no i can appreciate john winchester as a character but i don't like him he's a valuable character he's an awful person yes (laughs) he's a bad person and a bad dad royally screwed up his sons there's a point, Meredith, I don't think you've watched to this point, but there's a point in season 14 where they pulled John from 2003 into their time, which is, you know, pre-all of season one. <laughs> what was he doing in 2003? I don't know, but he had a buzz cut. <laughs> but they really- from The Walking Dead. They really, yeah, literally. They, but they tried to give him, like, a redemption, <laughs> like, so many years after he died, <laughs> where he- Oh my he, He's literally in one episode. He's in one episode, and then they send him back. And, like, he literally has this whole- thing where he apologizes to Sam but like doesn't really apologize and everything's just like fine. Really? Yeah. 14 seasons. I guess they were running out of ideas. I kind of like that episode just because they're trying to do the like facade that everything could be happy if the family had stayed together but when you like you said get down to like the nitty gritty of it it's like a blanket apology and he didn't really mean it and it actually like ruined the moment. But like if we pretend it was nice you know (laughs) they're having dinner and stuff you know yeah it's the the first like because we see john and mary together for the first time since the pilot 
Uh, the whole family was in one place for the first time since the pilot. Um, so that was that was nice to see. But it is, and also like Dean, like I think he told Dean that he always kind of wanted Dean to like have a family in a normal life, and it's like you did not provide an upbringing or an attitude. You you were so horrible to Sam when Sam said yes, I want that. How dare you say to Dean that you secretly wanted that? <laughs> well, I can't really say anything. Yeah, you haven't, I haven't seen, seen that, that episode. episode yet. I'm sure once I get there, I'll have lots of opinions. But yeah, but it's like it's two thousand. And three John, so it's like John who's out hunting and not on speaking terms with Sam. And <laughs> John, John Winchester is a complicated man. <laughs> he is definitely, uh, yeah. And I, I wish we knew more about what he was doing in this whole season because the whole season is we got to find Dad so that we can we can kill the thing that killed Jess and the thing that killed Mom. And then John doesn't really know that much or do that much <laughs> to help him. Yeah, I feel like he was very aware of the fact that they were looking for him and was, like, sending them assignments just to keep them off his trail. Literally. I mean, which is good for other people, I guess, that needed help in all of those other towns. But he could have just said, I'm still working on things. I don't know anything yet. Like, you you can stay in contact while you're figuring shit out. What? No, you can't. <laughs> Away. It is not the John Winchester way. Gotta <laughs> have a little trademark symbol after that. That is unfortunately true. It's very nice of him to leave us his journal, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean the journal. I'm, I'm still mad, Francis. You haven't heard episode four yet, but <laughs> in episode four, I got really mad about John and his journal <laughs> because of the dumb exorcism that they do in Phantom Traveler, where they have to like pull the demon out and then send it to hell. I'm like, that's the most useless exorcism. There's no situation in which that. Would be helpful considering in literally every other episode there's a, a more direct exorcism that exists i'm like john is an irresponsible mentor and father for not having a more direct more useful exorcism in his journal it's like he went to i don't know hunter google and picked the first exorcism he could see the most useless one he could find <laughs> and i get that demons aren't a super big problem at any point before season one basically anytime like pre-season two demons are a very rare thing to have to deal with even for hunters. However, <laughs> Bobby didn't have like an easier exorcism in all of the time that you worked with Bobby <laughs> because he has them now, for sure. He was testing them. Only useless exorcisms in the journal. <laughs> I told him like almost right away that it was a demon. Mm -hmm. So like he had all these 20 years to like find a really good exorcism probably told Bobby in the beginning too like hey help me find me yeah I'm sure at one point him and Bobby had a couple of beers and talked about how Bobby's wife got killed by a demon and John was like yeah my wife also got killed by a demon and they should have that's the time where you swap exorcisms it'd be funny if he jotted down the exorcism as a reminder to never use it and just never wrote anything else in the journal <laughs> and then that's what you leave your children as their sole source of information in an age <laughs> that exists before internet was super readily available. I'm just imagining John, like, waking up in his truck or whatever, and he's just like, oh, wait! Oh, <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I mean, to be fair, another possibility is that there was a better exorcism, like, farther back in the journal, and Sam just didn't flip back that far. Like, he found the first one in the book. <laughs> it was a pretty tense situation. I had, I had so many issues with everything about everything that happened on that plane. <laughs> Like, I just recently watched the episode where we met Henry Winchester, John's father, and got some, like, more background on John. I guess we can talk about that a little bit. Like... Oh, daddy <laughs> issues. The daddy issues are real. Uh, the family. 
Yeah. The difference, though, is that Henry probably would have been a much better dad if he had actually been. Oh, yeah. Henry seemed like he was a good dad up until the point where he got sucked into 2013 <laughs> and then died there. <laughs> but Henry just kind of disappeared from John's life without any explanation as far as John was concerned when John was like four. Hmm. And we don't know anything about John's mother at all. I just assumed that she was dead and that it was just the two of them. That was the vibe I had. Where's John? Unclear. But he's, they literally never mentioned his mother once. In the entire show. Did he just, like, raise himself, this, like, grouchy four-year-old with stubble? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. And, uh, Sam and Dean are ma- named after Mary's parents. <laughs> yeah. What do I mean? They never really mention a grandmother. <laughs> no, they don't. If she wasn't gone when John was a kid, then she was definitely gone by the time Sam and Dean was a kid, or else why not just leave the kids with her, you know? Yeah, like, if they had any <laughs> members of the family, then John was just isolating them from them. Very much, yeah. Another bad dad thing. Yeah, yeah. The Winchesters were just a family that was not destined to be at all happy ever, I think. <laughs> Every time anybody's happy, it's repaid in like eight times the amount of misery. It's not even worth it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes when I'm watching, I have to stop. I'm just like, they're happy, but at what what's the cost? <laughs> it's so high. Please just give us like one good moment that lasts for like two episodes. <laughs> Maybe two. Did I even want to enjoy the, the good times? <laughs> Were they worth this? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I just wish we'd ever found out more because aside from like Ellen saying that she'd heard that John was doing stuff, we don't know what any of the stuff John was ever doing was. Like, we know he kind of figured out that there was other kids and other families that had the same thing happen to them that happened to Sam and Mary. And John had kind of figured that out, that there was a pattern there. I mean, that took him a whole other person in their immediate vicinity dying. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> but he did figure that out. But then after that, there's like beyond that. We just don't know what John was doing or where he was, except for that he, you know, showed up in Lawrence and didn't talk to them. Shocking. With the cases he does send them on, like, it just seems like, he, yeah, he's sending ca- them on cases to keep busy. Or, like, he's like, I would usually go check this out, but I'm busy doing an unknown thing that no one can ever know. <laughs> Sketchy demon stuff. I guess I'll just send my sons <laughs> to go see. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like we'll do a more in-depth on, like, why John's a bad dad. But I guess the summary of this episode is we don't know where John was, but he was a bad father for being <laughs> for being there and not answering the phone. <laughs> oh, you get you can you can do go on your revenge thing, but please at least talk to your sons. Honestly. It's just it's such such a bad example that when Jess died, like Sam was just like, Of course I'm gonna go do exactly the same thing. <laughs> like, of course I'm just gonna go full revenge mode. I don't care about anyone or anything else. Who cares about anyone else living or dying? I need to go get revenge. Like, of course that's Sam's response. Like that was all he knew growing up. He didn't know literally anybody else in the world, let alone like as a parenting strategy. <laughs> Or a model for behavior. Literally. Not allowed to have friends, not allowed to have any sort of stability. Just revenge and monsters and darkness. Except for what little normalcy Jean provided him. I do feel at some point, like, John did treat them like they were cadets in the military. Giving them orders, telling them, you know, what they can and can't do, giving them weapons. I've always wondered when they started calling John Sir, because they both do it so naturally. I know that's, like, a thing in a lot of places. When they address him, they address him, and they use Sir like they're in the military. I mean, John was in the Marines, so I guess it makes sense that he <laughs> he got that way, but it's still horrible. In a, in a crisis, he might, like, default to his military training. 
Yeah, I guess when he's like, I need to train my kids to be tough. I mean, I guess it makes sense that he went back to his roots in the military, but it's still horrible. That's not a good way to raise children. It's not, especially when uh, in Scarecrow, when Jaws and Tatum, he didn't even say. They just figured that out. It's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm doing something I found about the demon, but here I have a case for you guys to do it. And Dean takes over the phone and he's like, Hey, dog, like, where are you? What's going on? And instantly, in like, 0.2 seconds, Dean's face goes from, like, concerned son to, like, a cadet. He's like, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, he sits up straighter, even though he was, like, just asleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sam was preparing to argue with him, but, uh... Oh, Sam was arguing with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess Dean's been a bit more conditioned. Dean just, uh, yeah, is less likely to backtalk. Because he was the older one, they already... You always have to be more responsible. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that, in something wicked, John fucked Dean up for life, pretty much in that one <laughs> one episode when they were kids. Like his response to Sam almost getting eaten or dead or whatever it was that that thing was doing to him. I mean, sucking out his soul or whatever. <laughs> John's response of yelling at Dean and telling Dean that he was a failure and it was his fault when like Dean's also a child and you just left your children unattended for several days. Like, and this was the thing that you. <laughs> Tracking. Why didn't you know it was coming here? Yeah, that showed Dean that if he ever didn't listen, then something bad happened. And that was the lesson he took from that. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's not in the talking back or the, the rebelling. He he lost that. I wouldn't say lost the spark to do it, but like he was conditioned that if he did that, then something bad was going to happen to Sam, who's the only person he like really cares about in the whole world. <laughs> anyway, does anyone else have anything they want to add that we haven't talked about? I know we just covered a lot and discussed a lot and went on some tangents. <laughs> I think I've said most of what I want to. Like, uh, John's kind of more of a plot device than a person. You know, he exists to affect the main characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wish I wish we knew more specifics because, yeah, there's just not a lot to go on. <laughs> like, the first season is shaped by them looking for him. The second de- season is shaped by them grieving him and figuring out how to live without him. Yeah, pretty much. Francis, was that anything that you wanted to add? I think we covered everything basically from season one. You know, like we didn't, like you guys said, we didn't get much from him besides, you know, questions basically. And, and throughout the later seasons, we only learn like his past. You know, when he first met Mary, so it's like we don't know a lot from what the boys have seen. Yeah, I wish in season two we had gotten more answers about what exactly it was that John was doing, because I want to know where he was. We just don't know that much, unfortunately, so. That's it for this week, so thank you so much to our guests for their thoughts and feelings and passions this week. If you want to give your social media or any other plugs, please feel free to do so now. Meredith, do you want to go first? Yes, I'm at Shades of Dianera at Tumblr and Instagram, and if you go there, you'll see lots of drawings for the uh, fantasy novel I'm writing. Amazing. And Francis, how about you? I have a Twitter. It's Destiel1993. And I'm on TikTok at Let It Be Love underscore. And I recommend going and following her at those places because there's some good stuff happening there. I've been KJ. You can find me on all the social media platforms at Life Messes of KJ. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can contact me directly or you can reach out through the podcast social media. You can find the podcast and email us at Supernatural Opinions Podcast at gmail.com, at SPN Opinions Pod on Twitter, Supernatural Opinions Podcast on Facebook, and at Supernatural Opinions Pod on Instagram and Supernatural Opinions Podcast on Tumblr. And if you could subscribe, 
subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. That really helps people to find us. And if you want to hear more of me and my thoughts, you can check out my other podcast series of opinions available on all the same places as this one. Thank you again to Faith Ebert for our logo. This episode was written, produced, recorded, and edited by me. And special thanks to our guests. And as always, keep fighting and carry on. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.